Hi everyone, welcome to Behind the Grid, where we explore worldviews from around the world and the key moments that change them forever. What I want to offer you right now is an opportunity to experience your world through someone else's story and to perceive your challenges from a fresh perspective so that you can get past them and reach your wildest goals. I'm your host, Chris Owl, and welcome to the show. Before we start, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor, Essential Vibes Frequency Jewelry. They're a really cool company. They found a way to put frequencies into metals and crystals, which have different effects when you wear them on your body. If you want to check them out, go to essentialvibes.ca slash owl. Today, I am speaking with Peter, and he has a YouTube channel, 434. And 434 stands for Love, Joy, Hope, which is sort of the center of a bunch of Peter's synchronicities, which brought him into the, the public eye as he has worked with a lot of psychedelics and meditation and contacted what he refers to as machine elves. But I, I've heard that in his videos, that's just a way that he can communicate them to the public. But really internally, it's more of like, just this race that that he keeps communicating with on an ongoing basis and he shares all sorts of wisdom on his youtube channel a lot of very profound very deep stuff that gets into the nature of reality into the nature of time and into the nature of consciousness so it's very eye-opening stuff definitely something you want to check out check out um so I'm, I'm so honored to have peter on this show thank you so much for for joining us today here peter thank you very much for inviting me and thank you for a really nice introduction yeah, awesome. So, Peter, I'm so interested. Before we get into all of the amazing deep wisdom that you have, how did you get involved in this? Why, what I understand is is that you took uh, entheogens near the beginning, psilocybin mushrooms, and just started having this conversation with with these machine elves, as we can refer to them, uh, and and then from there you're even able to contact them without any substance using just meditation. After is that correct? So, uh, yes, partially that's correct. What happened is that in 2015, after almost 20 years of having just just feeling bad in general, I didn't really call it anything back then until I realized one day that it might be probably depression or clinical depression. It was never diagnosed, but I felt Mm -hmm. really bad. A few traumatic experiences, nothing major, but it just made me feel uh, just you know, just struggling with life. And I was looking for, for something that would help me. I, I never wanted to try any medication. And then I came across um, episode number 470 of Joe Rogan's podcast with uh, Amber Lyon. Amber Lyon was uh, a person with quite a similar history uh, being in a corporate world. She worked for CNN back then. And she tried, I think she tried ayahuasca or mushrooms. I don't remember, one of those. And she basically went through the same as we all do. So um, what happened, I realized that it's time for me to give it a try. And I actually started from boiling ayahuasca myself and it didn't work. And I'm actually quite happy. I'm quite happy it didn't work because later I found that. Yeah, well, the thing is that I was prepared for that. I had the whole setting and everything. Uh, The only problem was that I realized that the dosage and the potencies, you know, it fluctuates. It's not really it's not concrete it's not set in stone with every dose you you Mm. can get different levels of dmt in it 
So uh, I, back then I didn't know about my hypersensitivity sensitivity to psilocybin. I actually, I should have connected the dots because I'm, I'm very sensitive to every chemical substance, mm. but I didn't, it didn't occur to me that it could be the case with, uh, you know, with psychedelics. So I, I had the whole cup, which could have ended in, in a tragedy, tra- tragedy of some sort, probably, but it didn't work. The only thing that happened was me just seeing and hearing some voices from dead World War One soldiers. That was that was really interesting. Um, but it didn't really. I couldn't sleep that night. I just had some visions, but I just thought, okay, it's just something that happens mm. when you drink ayahuasca. I didn't really realize how important this stuff is. Uh, but at the same time, within a few days, I got access to magic mushrooms, to Cubensis B plus, and that was uh, a success. So I I had one gram in silent darkness back then. I didn't even know that that's a thing. I just I just did it. I just took one gram, and within two hours, my depression was gone. And suddenly, I there was a presence both metaphysical and kind of physical presence of some sort of alien entities and they started giving me answers to all those difficult questions i've had my whole life and i just spent the rest six hours just talking to them the remaining six hours just talking to them about everything that i always wanted to know and yeah the rest is history i i started collecting well these messages were the first time i got in contact with them i realized that these messages are so profound that I need to I, I need to do something about them. And I, I called my family. I told because I, I got, you know, closure with a lot of family members that night. A lot of stuff went through. Yeah. You know, that's that's what happens when you try psychedelics for the first time. And um the next trip was <laughs> uh, foolishly I decided, well if one gram was great, let's let's give it a try if we, you know, if we do four times as much. <laughs> and that ended up being a complete well, it was a nightmare. It was the worst two hours of my life because I went through something that's called a heroic dose trip where I was dragged to hell and back. And uh, two entities told me that this is the punishment for me not respecting the medicine. And they said that we'll teach you why you're not supposed to actually uh, be so outspoken for, you know, for you know, trying to convince people to take magic mushrooms. They explain all of this over the years. They told me that uh, you you have no control over the amount of psilocybin in each mushroom. You could, you know, some people have issues. They they explain all of this. They said this is for you, and yeah, just just take it for yourself for now. And after probably how many four years, I you know collecting those messages. I had a small book of machine of message. I call it the magic book of machine of knowledge, nice. and I realized that. Uh, it should be shared with everybody. It's something that was so profound, so deep and so interesting. Yeah. And, and you are coming out with that book soon, aren't you? Well, that's not the book actually. The, it's not. Oh no, well, I want the, that well, book. Well, here's, well, here's what happens. <laughs> so I, every time I speak to them, I take my phone and I, every time I get a message, every time I go to another dimension or I learn something new from them, I record it immediately. Obviously what I do is I create like a bookmark in my phone because it's just a, link to a memory that I have. There's no way you can, you know, during a trip, you cannot record everything. So I just describe shortly what it is. And then next few days, I unpack it and I transcribe it to to my notepad. And uh, over the years, I collected something close to like 60 pages of, of those little, you know, headlines, just, just one sentence headliners that connect me to 
to those memories. And um, I realized at some point that this book is actually, it becomes alive. So yeah. what happens is that one message has a particular meaning. And then as you go along and you learn more, when you get more information, this particular message, when you go back to it, it changes meaning. It actually connects to other things and then it grows. And this book is actually, this notebook is actually a notebook. It, it's organic. It, it's never, it, it never stays in the same place. And the, the more messages I get, the more it becomes, um, it becomes richer and more connected. So it creates new, it, it creates new messages from old messages. And it's, it's a really interesting thing. And I decided um, in 2019, I decided it's time to, start sharing this with everybody. So I made my first video and I started um, just casually, just, just not too crazy. And I started talking about synchronicity because basically that's what, what started the whole thing. 434 is a synchronicity I've had for 20 years and machine else explained to me the meaning of it. It was so intelligent, so interesting that I decided to call the channel 434. And little did I know, it actually um, started this whole movement and, and machine elves jumped on that they just you know they decided they said to me if you if that's what you're calling it let's go with it and from now on we'll refer to the energy and everything that creates us as 434 so um it all shifted to to this 434 thing it was just i was actually sitting at my desk thinking what should i call this channel what should i call these videos and it was just one of those things that i decided would be a good idea 434 yeah it's yeah, I never planned it. It wasn't really my um, <laughs> my goal or anything like that. I just wanted to share my messages with other people. And I did it in the best way I could. I've been a video producer for almost 13 years now. So I decided that's, you know, I could have just written it down and, and tried to publish that. But I decided let's make it something something nice, something that makes you feel better. I always liked those these type of videos. They didn't exist back then. And I every now and then I'll see now someone who actually copies what I'm doing. It's, it's nothing, you know, nothing revolutionary. This thing exists. It's just that it's not too, it's not too, uh, not too often that you find these type of videos where you have nice pictures and you have nice music and someone talks. Uh, there are some, some vlogging channels that do that. It's not that many, but I've started seeing that people do it now more often, especially with psychedelics. Mm. So that's a great thing. And machine Elves actually told me, they said that, our messages are important, but what you do with this is actually equally important because you create this, uh, they said it's a blue and purple jelly mist. That's what they called it. And they <laughs> said, you put people in a very special place emotionally, and that's your job here. And as, as you know, over the years, as I've been talking to them, they started explaining to me that it's actually my job in this reality that I'm supposed to elevate um, the frequency of 7 million people and then it should allow the entities to do their part of the job here. I don't know what it is, but they said we will uh, start acting on, on your work once you finish uh, you know, accessing 7 million minds. Wow. And that's what I've been doing. And I'm, I've been constantly looking for new methods of distributing the 434 messages. Um, YouTube is is a very hostile place at the moment. It's not very easy to get through to people on that channel, but it's still the most uh, most popular one. And yeah, now I'm writing the book. So the book is actually, I decided to take all the transcripts from the videos and compile them in one one book, uh, which will be made of something close to like thirty chapters. 
Okay. And it will be pretty much the videos, but it will be, you know, edited, I'll connect it differently, I'll rearrange everything. It, it, it needs to be ordered again. So even though I made those videos, when I go back to videos from a year and a half ago, I listen to them and I'm saying, oh, this, this has grown, this has changed, this has developed, and I'm updating everything. So the book will be called something like, um, I don't know, Machine Elf Encyclopedia or... Um, Oh, Starpilot recently. What did she call it? She said uh, Psychedelia Encyclopedia. That's a really nice title. <laughs> I, I don't know. I need to figure out how to how to promote this book because it will be I will heavily promote it everywhere. And I need to make a decision whether it will be addressed to uh, psychonauts or whether I should address it to people who know about machine elves. So it will be it will be difficult to label this, but I'll figure it out once the book's ready. I'm uh, halfway through it, and uh, yeah, Starpilot's going to edit it, and she's going to proofread it, and once it's ready, I'll I'll start thinking about the title. Yeah, and and for those people who don't know Starpilot, Starpilot is is another YouTuber who comes on Four Three Four's channel, and they have a lot of intermingled synchronicities, where she lives right next to Four Three Four's favorite pizza place. And then there's a, there's a bunch of other ones and they end up doing very similar things. And Starpilot ends up going on to a lot of the, the spaceships that these extraterrestrials operate. And she talks about how they're so alive and connected. The technology is alive and connected with the ETs. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, so definitely go in and check that out on, on 434's page. You can see a lot of, of shared, shared videos it's between the two of them. It's actually, it's more than that because she's a, she's a stranger. She's a complete stranger who contacted me um, right at the beginning of me talking about machine elves uh, because I mentioned one of the videos. I mentioned that um, I get on those spaceships with them and I travel through, through those interdimensional tunnels with them. And she told me that she had the same experiences. And as we started talking, I mean, I'm, I'm, I at that point I was already getting used to people actually talking to me about the same stuff. People would email me with capital letter headlines like, "Oh my God, you experienced the same <laughs> thing as I did." This is this is the beauty of it is that we four three four is not just one crazy dude taking mushrooms in the darkness sitting in his bedroom. It turns out that there's a it's a shared hallucination, and because there's no such a thing as shared hallucination, it means we're all accessing something real. So um, at that point, I was used to people telling me the same stories, but she came back saying things that I've never talked about. And wow. she said, this is what I experienced. And we, that, that was very intriguing. She was, at that point, I already had hundreds of thousands of views and thousands of comments, but she stood out. And I started talking to her and we became friends. And as we started talking, I realized that the amount of synchronicities we, we're sharing on a regular basis is beyond what normally people experience now the thing with 434 is that as soon as people uh start paying attention to 434 the videos or they start watching them or they they get involved somehow in this their world changes when it comes to synchronicities and they open themselves up to the metaphysical you know nature of their existence everything shifts and 434 becomes in reality for them. They wake up at 434 a.m. or they look at the clock at 434. It's, it's you know, there's a lot of stuff happening. But me and Starpilot, we, we discovered 
a huge amount of synchronicities between between us. One of them being that or the distance between our cities where we live now is 4,304 miles. <laughs> now, it turned out that um, where she lives is actually where I, I had family a long time ago, and I used to go there. And um, we not only that, we recently found out that our grandmothers come from the same area. There's actually a 50-mile difference between the cities they grew up in. And uh, the history of, of our ancestry goes back 100 years. We come not only yeah. from the same country, we come from the same town. Our grandmothers come from the same town. Uh, they're the same age. It's absolutely insane. It makes zero sense. It's, it's, you know, it's mathematically and statistically impossible for this to be just a coincidence. It's just too much. There, there's much more. Uh, she, um, she's a writer and she's a comic book drawer. I'm not sure if people know that. And she titled her first book, um, it was one of my favorite uh, DJs, I think it was Dawn Patrol. And she, that's what her novel's called. And that was my favorite <laughs> record when I was a DJ. And not only that, um, she, I cannot say what her daytime job is, but what she's doing is the name of my first book when I was a child. And it just goes on and on. The more we talk, the more we discover. So uh, this is obviously when someone wants to know more about this type of synchronicities they should watch my video called signs from machine elves and in that video i explained how machine elves told me that they actually interact with our reality occasionally and uh, they give us signs and they push us gently in the right direction so uh, for example now i make a video about how machine elves uh change my reality in a way that i lost thousand uh, dollars because i had to pay for a new ticket because they wanted me to stay not flying i missed my flight by them changing the date it's absolutely bananas they changed the date in a way that i gave the uh, booking confirmation details three weeks in advance to all my family and everybody else and on the day of my flight turned out that my date to fly out is actually yesterday and nobody knows how to explain it because everybody remembers the day when i'm supposed to fly i've never missed any any trains any buses nothing this is not me this is not something that happens to me and then, you know, I had to fly the next day. The, the ticket cost $1,000. And then I had to, I had to do something because everything was, you know, I was visiting my family. I had nothing to do. So I took mushrooms. And yeah. they said, oh, we do apologize, but we had to call you. We had to make you stay so that we can talk <laughs> to you about this. <laughs> and it was funny because there was, the, the, this trip was one of the most profound trips I've ever had. Um, there's actually like 10 videos on the 434 channel made out of that one trip. They told oh me so God. many important things. They've solved a few very personal issues for me. They told me very important things that had consequences. And uh, they said, oh, don't worry about that money. It's nothing. And uh, yeah, they were right. The, the turnout to be nothing. But it was very bizarre. So uh, I took it as a sign. And in the same way, I took Star Pilot and everything that happens with us and our synchronicities as a sign that I need to pay attention to that person. And not only, she's, she's great. She's really awesome. I really, she, she's a great girl. Uh, but also we started getting messages for each other from machine elves and uh, she went recently through some personal issues which machine elves explained to me and I gave her the message and that happens a lot like machine elves will give you messages to to other people if they cannot get through to you in a given moment or if there's something that you're rejecting or not willing to talk about which I usually try not to do but they will contact others and they'll come back to you with this message so it's wow. very interesting and we got to a point now where um, star pilot has agreed that she will she will prove you know 
she'll work with me on the book as I'm, you know, English is not my native language. So even though it is in English, it's foreign English. So she will help me to polish it and make sure that it's, it's good quality of language. Also, you know, she will contribute with some ideas and everything like that. So there's always a reason why things happen. Yeah, that's so cool. There's just so many, so many layers to that. <laughs> it's crazy. It goes deeper yeah. and deeper. And the thing is that the, the longer, you know, the more time passes, the, the deeper it goes and the more changes. And it's like it, the whole thing grows like a tree and it branches out to other things that connect with other stuff. It's, it's like the psychedelic dimension. The deeper you go, the, the denser the reality becomes and more complex. And then you realize that what you started with has nothing to do with where you're at now. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're talking about all of these experiences you're having, there's all of these epic trips where you're traveling out of your body or, or it, it seems like it, you're out on spaceships and you're talking to these entities. It all sounds really exciting. It all sounds like something that I think a lot of people would want to experience. But when it comes right down to it, when you're right there with the substance, sometimes it can be pretty intimidating. I know for myself, I sometimes have fears come up about leaving my body or about working with uh, very, very high doses of like DMT or, or, or even, even just like average doses of, of, uh, of psilocybin. Sometimes like just depending on the state I'm in, I can tell if it's going to be a deep trip. And if I, and then there's a lot of resistance that comes up. How do you deal with this type of resistance or, or do you even do you even have it well the only type of resistance i can think of is the pre-trip fear yeah and very often i'll drink uh, lemon tech and i'm like oh why did i do this i really want to just go to sleep but um that was just at the beginning and it was um it was a result of my traumatic heroic dose trip which was I, I was on on the brink of insanity i was really close to calling um for for an ambulance because i couldn't handle i i almost broke down it was so horrible wow. but um i went through this and I, I gave myself a month i was like okay let's let's calm down let's relax and uh within the next few days i was like i'm doing this again definitely so so the, the moment the the <laughs> you know the nightmare started i i'm really happy that i was completely uh i was i was gone there was no way i had any control over my body because i wanted to go to my room and get rid of this big bag of mushrooms i had um i, I was like i'm flushing it down the toilet there's no way anyone should ever touch it ever again but i couldn't move so that was the good thing and then i forgot about this and luckily you know, the next day I was like, okay, that was interesting. Because what I haven't mentioned is that after this traumatic two hours, I had the most amazing six hours. It was the most amazing trip I've ever had physically. And, and you know, the, the first contact on on a heroic dose with, with not only with machine elves, but those, those, I don't know, I always say that there are machine elves and there are those universes that are alive, those dimensions that have... Um, that have soul, that have consciousness. It's, it's indescribable, it's very difficult to describe. Uh, but also I, I experienced ego death. So basically I learned what I'm really made of. So it was so beautiful and was so um, just, just beneficial to me, just practically speaking, that, that's, you know, it became medicine. It was so important there. Even if I had to go through this again, 
it's I'm always saying it's worth it even if you have to go through two hours of sheer terror and and just you know sweating trembling and and extreme hallucinations what comes after that it becomes the most amazing thing and even this negative experience becomes uh, very important at some point because psilocybin still works on your brain it levels out your dopamine or serotonin whatever's responsible for your happiness and um, it, it's it's beneficial it's always beneficial now you were saying how am i dealing with this resistance um what i need to mention is that i, I used to say in my videos that um I'm, I'm i don't like the word special not, not special i'm very unique in a way that i react to psilocybin so um machine elves told me that we talk to you because there's not many of you in this reality and it's kind of a special thing there's a combination of your biology, your brain chemistry, your personality traits. They said there are a few things that make you very unique in a way that uh, allows you to be open-minded, not scared. And at the same time, it allows us to communicate with you without having a very heavy physical sensation when you're mushrooms. And they said this communication allows for very clear contact. And I think it's very unique in a way that even if I talk to Star Pilot, I ask her, well, what's, what's your experiences like? And she goes, well, I need to take at least four or five grams and it's very heavy and it's, uh, I feel uh, nauseous and I feel like throwing up most of the time. And for me, because I need so little, I, I don't have any physical, like, like no reaction. I take mushrooms and it's basically just me and my mind. Now, the thing that makes this experience very unique and very special for me is that as soon as i take mushrooms my body disappears i'm on i'm left with with myself with my energy form and that's something that came to me very easily when i started taking mushrooms that was the most natural thing like the telepathic communication that was also very natural for me it's not something i had to learn it was just something uh that i just remembered as if it was always a part of me so when you say how i handle rejection i never re, sorry resistance i never had any resistance i basically started talking to them as if it was the most normal thing in the world it was just natural um so the only thing i always had resistance uh to was this 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 memory of me going through through this nightmare of two hours that was the only thing but i got rid of it long time ago so i don't have much resistance but at the same time whoever's listening to this you shouldn't do this you shouldn't uh jump into high doses without ever testing yourself because it's not responsible it's not really smart to do this i always warn people not to do this because you don't know yourself unless you're very experienced and it's something i had a discussion with machine labs about they, they, they asked the same thing. They said, so what would you say that you're not scared? And I said, because I know myself and I know you guys and I know what I can, you know, what I can do. Uh, I learned how to defend myself against evil entities, those negative um, entities in other dimensions. And well, how do you do that? Well, the thing is that um, this morning I was actually, uh, someone sent me, um a podcast there's a woman called linda hall i think she's um she's a famous ufo ufologist who um what i do for the psychedelic community she does for the ufo community she tries to bring everybody together she has her own youtube channel she makes videos she, she talks to people and she's also written many books and someone contacted her who had um 
had an NDE experience. And, uh, and that's something I discovered years ago, but it was just, you know, I discovered the same story from someone who went on the other side by just, you know, having a, uh, an experience where they die, where they leave their body. They were clinically dead for some time. They had an accident. And um, he was met by an entity of the, and he used the same vocabulary, by the way. The people from NDE experiences and psychonauts, they use the same vocabulary. They meet the same entity. So there's something going on we don't understand. But uh, he said that he was met by an entity and this entity was um, kind of um, like an admin, like, like someone who's just making sure that you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing. And this guy who had this near-death experience, he, he was very inquisitive. He was very curious. He started asking questions. He started thinking. And because he was communicating with this entity telepathically, he had some sort of an access to their, to their you know, their, their, when you connect with someone telepathically, it's an exchange of energy. You, you are part of them and they're a part of you. When he when he did that, he sensed that this entity is actually not alive, that it's part of something like um, something like artificial intelligence type of a thing. It's, you know, Whoa. bionic, it's alive, but it's like, um, it's like an employee of, <laughs> of something else. But this entity realized that him, him he, he is actually a part of this divine force. And this is something that I experienced. You realize quickly that you have this enormous power that you're much more, more powerful than all those entities that are trying to feed off your energy, those, that, uh, those little other dimensional parasites that are trying to suck out of your energy. You realize that you are part of what we call the energy or, the, or you know, God. You, you have this, this, this divine type of an energy inside of you. And as soon as you realize that you have that, those entities are they're backing off. They're like, oh, we're not touching that. And they're running away. I made a video how I once killed a machine elf. And I did this because <laughs> that, was, that was the moment when I realized that I have those powers, that I, that I am the, this divine energy. And I did it just to test my powers. And it was, it was a horrifying experience. I was banned from the mushroom realm for six months. And I, I explained all, all of this in the video. But uh, you need to come to a realization that you're not a human, you know, just, just a human entity having a human experience. You're, you're a divine entity currently undergoing a human experience, experiencing what it's like to be in this dense physical reality. And as soon as you know this, all the doors open and you start realizing the reason why the establishment wants psychedelics illegal, why they don't yeah. want people to take them. It's because you, it, it's like, you know, the Matrix is, is I, I always say that it's a, it's a psychedelic movie. It's about how you wake up to your own powers and you realize what your purpose is. And um, also you realize the power of the collective, because if I can do it myself, we can only imagine what happens when all of us connect and get together. And at some point, I'll probably will try to prove that we can do this in the psychedelic realm in, in the outer dimension. And that's something that that's an experiment that I want to do at some point. Yeah. Wow. That it's blowing my mind that you actually killed a entity. I've not seen that video, but at some point I'm going to go to your channel and, and watch that. That's blowing yeah. my mind. <laughs> it's, it's amazing because um, it was actually connected to the concept of human evil that machine wow. elves are not a fans of They're They're not fans of, very uh, very earthly things like they don't like when we call things um 
for what we see them in this reality. Like when we talk about evil, they're like, no, it's not evil. It's actually training. It's a lesson. And it's just your unwillingness to go through it. And they said, what you call evil are those uh, adversaries sent to your reality so that they make you act, so that you all um, fight that which is deep inside of you and which you need to get trained on. And even this guy I was talking about, this uh, guy who experienced the NDA experience, um, he said the same thing. He said that the only real thing is the struggle of positive and negative forces in this reality. He said that it's uh, love against whatever's the opposite of love. Uh, people say it's hate, but it's not. It's probably indifference. But um, he says that that was the, the main message he got out of his NDE uh, moment. He said that it's uh, the fact that the only thing that makes us alive here is our struggle to maintain this higher energy, this higher vibrational frequency as we're fighting the forces of, you know, we call them forces of evil, but it's actually lower frequency. So it's in reality, evil is nothing but us trying to train ourselves and gain the skills to increase our vibrational frequency and go higher on the scale of whatever that is. So it's, it's not evil as we understand it, it's just, it's just us developing. Wow. Yeah, I, I saw this chart recently. And I mean, probably a bunch of people have already seen this a long time ago, but it, it was like a chart of different emotions. And each of the emotions had a different frequency beside it. And as you went higher up, you got down, you got from like, uh, this like despair and depression, you got up to like anger, and then it goes up to like, love and joy and peace. And, and there's like 30 on there. And, and it's kind of cool because I can imagine what you're saying through that grid of being able to see it's like a, a conflict of different emotions uh, fighting for your, for your experience. <laughs> like well, the truth is that, love. yeah, you, you mentioned anger. Uh, if, the truth is that if you look at the scale of emotions, we have different names for them. Uh, mm. The truth is there are only two emotions. There's love and there's fear. This, it's high frequency and low frequency because if you think about even anger, anger is something that Machine Elves told me about. They said anger is temporal insanity. It's basically you being scared of something. When you're getting angry, it's because you're scared of things not going your way. You're scared of things not changing in the future. It's basically an expression of your, um, it's, it's, uh, it's not depression, but it's desperation. It's anger is basically a, a silence. Well, not silent, but the, the anger is, a, is someone screaming for help. It's basically someone needing attention because they're hurt. That's what aggression is. You know, normal, happy people are not aggressive. And if you do the same thing with every single emotion, like jealousy, what is jealousy? Jealousy is pretty much your fear of uh, not having enough. It's your fear of uh, not being good enough. That's pretty much what it is. And if you analyze almost every single emotion that there is, it all either, either, either stems from love or from fear. And there's no mm. real difference between these two. Oh, yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense. I, I, I mean, I think there's even a... Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I think there's a verse in like a, the Bible, maybe, or maybe it's in another text. And it was talking about how there's no... Yeah, yeah, yeah it is the Bible. There's no fear in love. Um, but perfect love drives out fear, which is which is interesting. But it, even that, it seems a bit 
a bit dual. Like, do you think that it's good to move towards love and away from fear, or do you feel it's better to be sort of like the Buddhists and have sort of a non-attachment to any state? Oh, no, no. The, the only purpose of this reality in your existence is to be in state of awe generated by love. That's, that's the only reason. There's no doubt. Of, I mean, no question. Machine elves, every single message I get from them is always the same. They always say the underlying tone, everything they want to convey, everything they talk to me about is always the same. They say every thought that's not a loving thought is a wasted thought. And, um, you know, we pay a lot of attention to our thoughts, but what we don't realize is that it's actually about the emotions because thoughts generate, generate emotions. And, um, you know, it's like with the, the, the secret, the book secret and the law of attraction, we all always think that, you know, it's our thoughts. We need to think happy thoughts. We need to manifest abundance in, in a way that you think about stuff. No, it's not that you need to feel things and that's uh that's the actual power of manifestation is because it's it's emotions is one of the main reasons why you exist and it's all about loving emotions so um fear is absolutely useless i love this acronym it's uh, false evidence appearing real yeah um, and recently i found a different one uh it was something with moving forward or running away i have a bad memory but there was one more that i i, I need to find it um, yeah, but it's, it's fear. It's absolutely useless. It's supposed to protect you from being attacked by a crazy hippo or a, by a lion. But because it doesn't happen to us anymore, we need to do something with this emotion. And we, we put it in places where it shouldn't be, where it doesn't belong. Yeah. Uh, we're scared of, of, you know, of, of stupid stuff like losing our jobs. We're scared of, you know, things that are real, obviously, don't get me wrong, but these are minor obstacles in life it's just I, I had a big problem with anxiety and as i was uh i was a child i um i struggled with anxiety for many many years until i grew up and realized that everything i was scared of uh never happened and right. those things that actually happened were not really they of course they were unpleasant they were you know they were not something i want to repeat but they were great lessons Mm -hmm. And it turns out that everything that happens for everything that happens in your life is always for a reason. There's always a, a, a purpose to every single lesson. And machine elves say it all the time. They say what you humans call bad luck are actually gifts. And I actually made two videos. I called life deals and gifts. Uh, I received it from a machine elf from the queen of the insect world. And uh, she explained it. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is one of the most important things I've ever seen. And uh, she gave it to, she actually gave me the access to mushrooms. She explained how my life was arranged in a way that now I can have access to those mushroom realms. And um, she said that it's a gift because I was always saving insects. It was something that I was doing, just taking all those little mosquitoes out of puddles and um, bees saving being from, from being eaten by spiders. And she said, it's, it's, it's a thank you from, from me for everything you've ever done for them. And uh, yeah, that was the most amazing gift I've ever received in my life because uh, getting access to those psychedelic realms is like having two lives. And yeah. uh, it, it absolutely changed my life. Wow. So when, when people hear about psychedelics, 
they they're always no, they learn about their brain being rearranged and getting your like a new brain chemistry and some of your old neural pathways sort of dissolve and new ones are created and I'm curious, you've done these for a long time. I mean, I, I have too, but I think you've probably been doing it, doing them even longer. And I'm curious, what has changed experientially and what has changed in, in your belief system as a result of working with psilocybin and other entheogens for so long? Joe Rogan, in one of his early uh, stand-ups, I think it's monkeys in space he Mm. said a very smart thing he said once you take psychedelics it's like getting access to your mind in a way that it's a desktop and once you take psychedelics afterwards there's only one folder left on this desktop it's called (laughs) my old bullshit and it's a perfect analogy because that's what happens when you take mushrooms one i mean psychedelics when you when you do this and you do this successfully because it's not always a successful experience sometimes you need to look for the right psychedelic to do it to you it could be ketamine could be lsd i I cannot talk about this because i've only tried mushrooms so i don't know what everything else does and i'm really looking forward to to try more uh, when the time's right but the way it works is that um, you basically wake up and i know it sounds like a cliche but you literally First of all, you see who you are, and trust me, people don't know who they are. People go through life asleep. They, their eyes are closed. They're repeating the same day 30,000 times, and then they just die. They leave this reality without learning much. Um, I, I don't want to sound too ignorant, but that's what most people do. If you ask them uh, even a simple question, what it is that you really love about yourself, you, you see the confusion on their faces because it's something they've never asked themselves. Uh, they just in autopilot mode they go to work they eat their burgers and then they watch little little youtube go to sleep and um, when you start looking deep inside of yourself it turns out that you're not what you think you are you're actually driven by your ego and your ego is the definition of ego is you trying to fit into society Mm. so you create this this weird uh, machine elves called it a cardboard facade of uh, just just fakeness that you yeah. present to the world thinking, well, first of all, thinking that that's what people want. You have no idea what you want, let alone other people. But somehow along your way, you came up with this persona. You're thinking that's what people want. And you go to anyone's Instagram profile or Facebook page and you'll see what it is that they believe that people want. And this persona they create has actually nothing to do with who they really are because learning your... Uh, meeting yourself and learning about yourself is such a profound experience that once you do it uh, you realize that it doesn't really matter what other people think of you so uh, the um, the beautiful thing about psychedelics is that it completely detaches you from this 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 uh, not brainwashing but it's this propaganda type of programming that they do to you because you're not really you know you don't live your life i made a video on my second youtube channel about this called um, your life is not yours Mm. it's basically you realizing that uh you come into a given environment you are given parents who uh you know you didn't pick them well you did but you know in this reality you didn't and you are subject to 
different types of religious dogmas and, and national environment where they raise you in a certain way and then you go to a school which is picked for you and, and by the by the time you get to your 20s you realize that none of this stuff that happens to you that stuff that shapes you uh, it has nothing to do with you and around the age of 25 when your frontal lobe uh, stops growing your brain is set then you realize that you know it's time to define myself or it's time to do something with this me whoever i am and some people just go with it whatever they were given they they you know they navigate this little vessel and some people decide no i want to reject that and i want to build my i want to give birth to myself yeah and at, at that that's a minority but this is when you realize that it's not only more beneficial but it's it's just it, the whole point of being alive is to making use out of what you were given and taking advantage of all those little tools and life deals and gifts that you receive and you know whatever you came with whether it's a disability or some gift or talent all of this has a purpose uh people ask me about sexuality all the time like i get questions is it okay for me to be gay and i'm like well totally embrace it be whatever you came here as because that's the only thing you have you don't have anything else the only true thing you have is what you came here with and then you can develop it or you can use it as foundations to build something new. But whatever you are, that's where you need to start. And it's much easier to develop what you already have than acquire a completely new set of fake skills and fake personas that has nothing to do with you and your reality. And yeah. you create this little fake monster that you'll try to advertise to everybody and then <laughs> you'll try to make people buy or subscribe to you in, in a way, you know, socially or or on digital media and it's it's bizarre and it's we all see that like what what are you trying to you pretending you're faking it we're not stupid we see through this but okay if you want to we'll play along because that's your spiel and that's something you need to to make yourself feel good uh but no one's going to actually you know people who achieve things are those who are okay with who they are people who actually feel comfortable in their own skin and there's no better way of achieving that than trying psychedelics because psychedelics leave you with the bare core of what you're made of there's no no bullshit everything's gone you want to lie well lie but this lie will hurt from now on because it will be obviously uh it will be you know in the way of you becoming who you want to be who you need to be so there's many ways in which psychedelics just shake you and say stop what you're doing because it makes no sense and mm -hmm. once you do this you realize that yeah there's no point it's the life's too short for being fake and also it uses up so much energy you know yeah, like they say oh my God, it does. yeah if, if you're <laughs> if you tell the truth you never have to have a good memory because you don't need to remember stuff yeah and it's true it's it's if you tell the truth it's the same like people some people accuse me of fabricating all this stuff just saying that's not true you just make stuff up and i'm like I can tell you the same thing over and over again and just listen to me as I talk and tell me that I can come up with this every single time the same way in the same method. It's, it's not possible. Yeah. And also it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be nice. It would be like a, like a performance yeah. and you can ask me the same thing from different angles and I can always give you the same answer, you know, in different ways, but it will be always the same messages. So you need to take whatever you have and make something out of it. And that's yeah. what psychedelics are for. Yep, I've I've noticed that back when I was an atheist, before I did DMT and before I was sort of woken up uh, to some extent by by the universe, I I had always thought that people were just making shit up. But 
since then I realized how hard it is to make something up. Like if, if you're really a scam artist on, on YouTube or something and you, you devote your whole life to making up stories that, that are, you have to be really clever. Like, like not everybody can just make up a story uh, that's, that's resonating with people, but to make up a story that you're not passionate about, that's just like something random and you're going to keep that going on for years and years and years. And you're devoting your life. You're trading your life to do this. Like it's, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like something that's very logical for people to do, especially not for any consistent period of time. Like maybe you can get away with it for a year or two, but you're going to burn out trying to, trying to keep up this sort of energy facade. Well, the truth is, is that, you cannot really come up with something completely artificial. Um, even yeah, if you look at the biggest writers, uh, people who created completely new worlds like, uh, I don't know, Tolkien, J.K. Rowling, or Herbert, you know, people who created separate worlds, it's not that they came up with this in their dream, or maybe they did, but it's not something they created out of, out of nowhere. Um, for me, the, the realization for me was reading... Um, you know, the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit books by Tolkien. And that was when I was a teenager. I lived back then in, in Europe, in Eastern Europe. And when I was 25, I moved to England. And I had, when I moved to England, I had five weeks when I signed my contract. I was starting a job and I had to wait for my start date for five weeks. And I had nothing to do. I was already being paid, I think. And I was just waiting. So it was my first weeks in England. And I, so it just happened that I took, um, I took just a bag of my stuff and I took this book, Lord of the Rings, and I was reading it five weeks while being in England. And what I realized is that Tolkien didn't create those worlds. Hobbits are English people. And what he described, because Tolkien went through Second World War, I think this book was developing during that time. What he was describing was actually his idea of a perfect utopian uh, English society. And it's clearly vis visible because as when I came to England, I realized that English people are hobbits. They want to be left alone. They have their little houses. They want to, everything stay the way it is. Um, you know, it's, it's just basically a, an, an analogy between where he grew up and what he created in his books. And um, it's the same with, with, uh, with everything else. If you create something, you cannot come up with something completely new out of nowhere because you need to base you need to have a foundation of something and those biggest creators are usually they're, they're going through a psychoanalysis like when i um when i make my videos i, I started injecting more and more of myself I'm, I'm not sure everybody's happy with this but you can talk about machine health messages only for that long until you start using analogies from your own life and machine health said that this is what you need to do when you create this uh, state of awe in your viewer's mind um, it's because you take our message, you transform it, you put it in this nice package of a you know video with sound and music, but you transform it in a way that it talks about you, you make it interesting, and then you deliver the message in a particular way. Now you look at other videos like Trip Whip, Shaman Oaks, they also talk about the same stuff, but they do it in their own way. And these videos are very different, but we still talk about the same stuff. So even though we all three of us create different stuff we actually deliver the same message and that's why i believe you always need to take whatever you have and create something out of it
Yeah, that's so that's so important to be authentic to who you are. I wanted to touch on something you said in a recent video where you talked about how our reality was becoming less real or less um, like more like a parody you said more like a parody of itself yeah. and it was becoming more like tinny or something I, just less um, I, I, I don't really know how to explain it how would you describe this and why do you think this is happening and how do you know it's not uh, I, I mean there's there's so many layers to this but how do you know it's not just you personally how do you know it's all of reality well, because the main reason is um, that I started getting these messages from everybody. As soon as it started happening for me, everybody's like, Peter, what's going on? Why, why are we experiencing all of this? And they all describe the same symptoms. And then Starpilot out of nowhere made this episode where she said that she was being upgraded because she was being upgraded because she she had exactly the same problems. She said something's very, very strange happening at the moment. And uh, yeah, I realized that and it's, it's actually speeding up. It's, it's out of control at the moment. And, um, you know, things like synchronicities, like we, we recorded, me and Starpilot recorded this podcast right after I made this video about uh, consciousness shift. And we stopped, I stopped the recording. And as soon as I stopped it, it turns out that Skype is showing me for hours and 34 minutes or something at 4 34 p.m just you know just absolute bananas type of synchronicity and i get these synchronicities now like every 20 minutes it's it's not you know i don't even record them anymore because that's my reality now this is so frequent now and so crazy that no one pays attention to it anymore people talk to me about this they're like i, I i'm so used to it that i don't even notice it anymore um but the next thing is is this um thing that our something happened to our timeline to to the way we perceive time and i i've been a big fan of time theory for a long time because um, the biggest problem with time is that it doesn't have a definition mm. the problem with time is that it it doesn't exist really and we the only thing we measure is the speed of decaying of a material or of mecha mechanical um elements progressing and that's what a, you know that's what a that's what a clock is you know a digital clock is pretty much electricity running if you take all of this out from the equation you realize that uh, time doesn't exist because if you don't have a point of reference there's nothing to measure it against it's a very abstract concept but you know the the physicists and, and scientists came to this conclusion a long time ago it doesn't exist mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that exists is our uh, ability to measure time and our ability to have this sensation of time passing which means pretty much things are changing and the only thing that you're left with is change so time doesn't exist but change exists and things recently started changing very fast and it got to a point where my body doesn't keep up with this anymore i i talked about this when i would get up um after a sleepless night when i had like three four hours of sleep and for me, it was an ordeal. I would wake up after three hours and I'll be like, God damn it, now I'm gonna have another 18 hours of just just trying to stay awake and fighting the, my body trying to go to sleep. You know, I normally would go to work. There was always an, an issue for me. Or I would go to school um, and, and I had to, you know, drag myself through through this nightmare of, of insomnia during the day. My body doesn't care about this anymore. It's just I wake up, you know, after three hours and I'm like, yeah, I'm tired, but it's going to be a moment and I have to go back to sleep. And 
it's it's something that everybody else have have noticed. Reese, they've they've noticed the same thing that uh, time doesn't feel the same anymore. And um, because everybody has the same sensations and everybody's experiencing the same stuff, I decided to make the video. And ever since I made it, people started saying that, yeah, there's another layer to all of this. It's this uh, fakeness in our reality. Like our reality got simplified. Like things are not complicated anymore. Uh, they're very binary. It's either this or that. There's no depth into many events in life. It's, it's just, you know, you predict something. It happens immediately. So something has changed. And people have been talking about this for quite a while now. But what has been happening recently, I mean, even if you look into politics and um, all of this, you know, we, we've known about all of this happening now, everything with the virus, everything else. This was predicted 20 years ago by Alex Jones. Whoever knows Alex Jones for a long time, they know that he talked about this back in 2002. He knew all of this is going to happen. And now as it is all, you know, it's all happening now, it's all unraveling. You're looking at this and going, this is ridiculous. Like this makes no sense. How can every single thing happen the way it was predicted? Like there should be some variation. There's not. Like everything, every single event happening now Happened was described in 2002 by Alex Jones and other people like David Icke. Like David it, it feels like it's like it's it's not even funny. It's like a cheap stand-up show at the moment. And um, there are things that happen. I remember um, I talked about this too that I was playing a video game and I saw an um, I, I'm playing Alien Isolation and the, this knife falling from the table. And then I was cutting watermelon and I had this big knife that fell in exactly the same way to the ground. The same, you know, I saw the same video playing back in front of my eyes, even though it was in this reality. And there was no difference between this Xbox simulated game and my reality. I realized this is the first time I've ever seen this. Like things happen, like the reality is so simple now that it's like a copy and paste type of an algorithm to perform all those things happening around us. And that feels like it applies to everything now. Like mm. people say, think that you, like people say something which is obvious, something you can predict immediately. I didn't have that a few months ago. Mm. And um, also things are binary. Like if you think of a result of a, of a theory, it used to be different, you know, different colors of a theory. It could be that, a mixture of that theory. If you predict something now, it's either this or that. There's nothing in between. You're either right or wrong. And it's, it's to a point where you can just completely arrange your life months and years ahead of you because there's no variation in what's happening at the moment. And I felt, you know, you don't talk about stuff like this because you immediately think that you're going crazy. But as soon as these people started commenting and sending me messages, everyone's like, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. And people told me things that I observed that I haven't talked about yet. So it's not just me. It's, it's, it's happening collectively. That's really interesting. Do you think it could be that reality's always been this cheap and, and simulated and it's only because we are starting to wake up now more as a collective and more individually with um, people talking about um, like if you were talking about 2012 and how there was a, a, a group of people that maybe uh, were awakened then I wasn't a part of that one um, but then now there's like a second wave of awakenings and maybe like just because we're all are we're becoming more awake we're able to see just how how simulated this reality is, how predictable it is. And, and maybe that just signals it's our time to move on to a higher realm. Well, it's very difficult to say what happens when all of this takes place because we've 
we've probably none of us have ever experienced this. Well, probably Not, majority. We don't of remember. Us. We don't remember experiencing it. <laughs> exactly. Well, maybe there are some people who know what's going on and they just keep it to themselves. I believe those in power, they might be, you know, they might be the instigators of it. We have no idea. But the truth is that um, something's happening. It's, it's obvious that something's happening. We all can feel we, we have yeah. this sensation of undergoing a big shift. Yeah. And um, the way I, we figure it out, we talked about this in a podcast, me and Starpilot, that uh, it's like the movie Langoliers, that um, there are those, uh, you, you fell into this tiny crack in the time and space continuum and you're left behind while all of this reality is being disassembled and you're waiting for the new reality being created because what if, if, if you know, the, the hundredth monkey theory is true and then if there is a, there's a threshold that we cross and we realize that once a given part of society wakes up, something magical happens. Now, Machinos explained it to me. They said that this, this reality has... Um, has a metaphysical mechanism that we haven't activated yet. They told me that reality is not physical. This reality yeah. we exist now is actually a metaphysical type of a web that needs to be activated. And once we do this, uh, everything will change. And they said, but you all need to be a part of this. They said that um, it's, it's enough for a small amount of people to do this, but you all need to do this. You all need to believe in yourself and this reality and you need to activate it now. There's a movie called Mandela Effect, and it shows, it, it's a sci-fi movie, it's just a story, but it's interesting because it shows what happens when you overload reality with, uh, in that case, he used quantum computers to overload the simulation, and uh, it falls apart, and it's being reset. So it's very likely that maybe we're somehow forcing whatever it is, simulation or the reality, to either get upgraded or start be, become more interactive with us. We, we have no idea what we're taking part in. Uh, I think there is an, there's a possibility that the more you go into higher vibrational frequency, the more you start seeing uh, the matrix. You start seeing how primitive it is and how, how unstable it is, because that's what I was told. Yeah. I was told that the only purpose of existence of this reality is your uh, taking part in something called the training ground simulation. You're here to learn about love. And they said there's no other place like that in, in known dimensions where people can, well, they said there are, but we don't know them. They said that uh, our job is to become a portal between this extra dimensional, extra terrestrial love that we, by the way, don't understand um, to connect with, with our earthly reality and this frequency and spread it onto others. And uh, they said that love is actually a, a, a very powerful energy from from outside that we have no idea about. Apparently, it's something so big and complicated, the whole dimensions are made of it. And they said, you only get a tiny fraction of it here in this reality. Your body allows you to experience only a tiny part of it. Oh, wow. But it's much more big and much, much more significant and much more important than you could realize. And even, you know, you, you, you asked, um, there was something you mentioned in your question about our bodies, um, how we react to psychedelics. And I, I immediately thought of this concept of a filter where your body is just a physical filter for your consciousness. And once you switch it off, you start having all those amazing, like every time you go into psychedelic realm, you'll experience love 
that is indescribable with human words. And the same when someone dies, when they leave this reality, they said that uh, they very often say they meet God or, or some entity or even just this sensation of being immersed in a loving um, energy that you cannot describe. It's, it's the sense of being loved and giving love at the same time. And it's, it's infinite. It's, basically, there's no, no way you can describe it to anyone because you only know this concept of your dedication to the other person that's what we understand love as it is but there's so much more there's divine love where you love uh yourself where you love the creation of the energy or god you you love the 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 concept of life there's so much more but you know most people don't have time to go into this and most people don't understand it it's only the psychedelic community and people from um you know people experience that who are getting close to defining what love actually is. Um, but just to go back to the, you know, to your original question, I think this, um, this, this situation now is leading to something and whatever the training is, it will be interesting to see what it is that we need to accomplish here. And that's also the reason why you need to try psychedelics because they will get you closer to your purpose here and, you know, giving birth to yourself and defining your purpose is super important this reality it's actually you know one of the main reasons why you're here so uh, maybe that's what is happening at the moment is collectively everybody's getting to this point in our time and space continuum where we'll all need to take a stand or we'll all need to take action against something or for something and we'll probably need to do something about ourselves yeah yeah you know, there, there was one thing that I was watching recently. Um, I think it was by Dan Pena, which is, uh, this guy is like a very, very uh, loud, uh, hyper-masculine sort of coach guru, which is, it's really interesting because you can watch your triggers come up. Uh, and he also has a lot of wisdom. And I was watching him and he said, like, to stop being nice. And he was yelling at, at, he always yells. It's just like yelling, like, stop being nice. Like, nobody wants you to be nice. And why, why are you trying to be nice? And I, I realized that this whole word, nice, uh, actually the etymology of it means somebody who's poor and stupid, basically. But the, the word nice is, is very key to, to finding out who you really are. Because if you stop being nice, and, and nice just means that, you're doing the thing that you think you should be doing, which is almost exactly what you're describing with the ego. I, I think if we all stop being nice and we start being who we really are as a spiritual being, as a powerful being, um, and, and speaking our truth, I think we will be able to get through this reality and, and make it to the upgraded version, <laughs> like you're saying. Whereas I think if you're going to, if, if anyone is going to stay being nice and it, uh, caving to the status quo acquiescing as ike would say then uh then you'll probably end up going through another cycle whatever that means <laughs> well that was a very good observation and very good theory um well nice what does it mean to be nice nice translates into like me i'll do whatever it takes to please you that's what being nice pretty much is uh mm. the world doesn't need nice people and the best example for this is England. England is a country where everybody's nice. Everybody will 
let you, you know, they'll, they'll never hurt your feelings, whatever that means. They'll never uh, get angry at you. You know, I'm exaggerating, but that's what the general type of uh, feeling is here in this country where you come here. Everybody's being, you know, hello, how are you doing? That, that kind of stuff. Now, the opposite is Germans, and uh, Germans are the opposite of nice. Germans are absolutely, everything has to be by the book. It doesn't matter what you feel about it. That's how it needs to work. Now, if you compare both economies, you'll understand which, which attitude works. Uh, Germans are not nice, and they achieve things. English people are nice, and their economy is, is, is falling apart at the moment. It's basically, with being nice comes indecisiveness, comes fakeness. Uh, my biggest issue with English people is that they have very little um, room for building personality. They don't cultivate personalities. Yes, everybody's nice. They ask you, how are you doing? And as soon as you start talking about your, how you're really doing, they start to panic because they, the only thing they expect from you is, good, how are you? And if you break that little pattern, then you go into weird territory. You're being immediately rejected <laughs> because nobody knows how to operate in that mode of honesty. And my favorite stand-up comedian, Louis C.K., he has a bit when he says what he doesn't do small talk. He meets his neighbor in an elevator and uh, he says, um, how are you doing? And Louis C.K. turns around and goes, I haven't talked to my father in six years. And uh, then because he wants to have actually a moment with that guy. And that's what we should all be doing. Now, it's funny that you mentioned this thing uh, coming from this uh, masculine type of a guy. It's funny. I just realized as you were talking about this, that there is something with 434 and this masculinity type of thing, because uh, 434 is uh, one of the favorite numbers of Jacko. I don't know what his name, uh, last name is. Jacko. There's this ex-Marine, ex-Navy SEAL. I don't know his name. Oh, yeah, Jocko Willick. Jocko Willick, exactly. So he has a 434 t-shirt because he propagates getting up at 434 a.m. Now, there's also this 434 a.m.? Yeah, did you not so know that? specifically. Yeah, yeah. He's in every Instagram photo. There's always 434 a.m. And he talks about 434. <laughs> and he has t-shirts with it. And it's a new thing, by the way. It's apparently it's something that it's not like me taking this number because he used it. I think he just started doing it recently. And uh, there's a rest, resting federation called 434. Actually, when I was registering 434, I couldn't do it uh, because of them. They have like half a million subscribers on Facebook. So there's, there's something to it. And, and it, 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 it has a lot to do with you talking about being nice. Because uh, the, the, why I'm mentioning 434 and masculinity? Because if you're in England with all those nice people, uh, you realize that if you're nice and you want to be attractive for women, you get nowhere because girls in this country are so used to men being nice that yep. they not only don't need any more of that, but also they treat it as a, as a sign of being a normie and being an NPC yep. because you're basically doing what everybody else is doing. Now, when I came here, I was, you know, my usual European type of a, I always find American people very similar to me. That's why I have most of my friends are from America because Europeans are very similar to, to, um, to Americans. We, especially Eastern Europeans, they're very rude. Americans are also sometimes they can be very blunt, very direct. Uh, also Dutch people are like that. So we find common ground in England is the exact opposite. So when you come with this boldness and this, um, you know, not being nice, there, there must be a reason why you're nice. 
being nice is natural is not a natural state for a human being you you're not nice you, yeah. you as a human being you're angry you're tired there's a lot of things going on in your head the last thing humans are is being nice you need to have a very good life and you need to go through a lot of stuff in your head which will allow you to be pleasant to somebody else so a natural state for a human being is something else than being nice and if you're nice that means that you're faking it if you're nice all the time it means that you're hiding something very very scary yeah. that's what i learned a long time ago if someone's nice you need to be very careful with them because that means it's a performance mm. um now obviously as i said when you come to england with this attitude and you're rude uh well rude by rude i mean not being nice yeah you realize that people are there are two type of reactions one of them is being scared of you the other one is they will feel drawn to you because it's different and also yeah. if you're not nice <laughs> And you're, you know, because it shows confidence. If you're, you yeah. know, women are attracted to confident guys. And if you're not nice, that means there's something else happening, which means you're either genuine, uh, which means there's something that allows you to be, you know, whatever you are, uh, or you're just stupid and, and you don't know how to behave. That's also a possibility. But <laughs> more often than not, women in England will find it intriguing. So if you combine it with not being nice, but being considerate and being tolerant and um, yeah, tolerant is also one of those words that means nothing. It's, it's basically, that means being stupid because you cannot be tolerant. It means you basically don't have respect for yourself. Yeah. Um, that's, but that's a whole different discussion. It's also a very abstract concept that we would need to discuss, but yeah, being nice, it's usually, it's, it's a sign of a performance. It means there's something happening. And if you're a man, uh, of course, by being nice, it means you should be respectful, uh, but you should not only respect people outside of you, you should respect yourself. Yeah. And it doesn't mean being nice, it means knowing your value and knowing yourself. And you will only gain this through retrospection, through going deep inside of yourself, which means that you don't rely on all those external factors that people build their lives on. So there's, it's a very complex idea behind all of this. Um, and I completely agree with you. Maybe let's not try to go into let's all be rude from now on, yeah. but let's be genuine. And the genuine nature of a human being is not nice because if you get in an elevator and you see your neighbor and he goes, how are you? And you go, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Too. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. We'll see you later. <laughs> nothing happens. As Louis C.K. said, nothing. It's just, uh, you're an idiot. Just, just making noises with your face. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't need you anywhere. But if you say, how are you? And you go, I haven't talked to my dad in six years and the guy goes finally and he says i haven't talked to my parents because i'm angry at them it's something you build a connection there's something happening between you're exchanging emotions and then at some point you meet again you'll talk about something deeper and then you build a friendship who knows where it leads you you'll never mm -hmm. meet any you'll never build anything by meeting and pretending that everything's okay because it's not life's a struggle and the sooner you you accept that and acknowledge that and start acting on it the faster you'll get to your destiny yeah you know when you when you don't speak truth you actually rob yourself of creating the reality that you ideally would want to be in so if you, if you speak truth and then you lose your job that's great that means you're going to find a better job and you're going to find a better reality you know what i mean like you well, have it, to speak truth Yes, but also you not only rob yourself of the ability to create reality, but you also rob yourself of being able to take part in other people's realities. Because if you're fake, no one will want to be around you uh, unless it's someone who appreciates, uh, you know, people not telling the truth. And I personally have a big problem. 
yeah, of course, because that, that's England. If you want to be in English social circles, you need to, if you go to a pub, all they want to hear from you is what do you think about um, Boris Johnson's latest whatever, or football, or you know, nonsense, things that have absolutely no impact on our reality, just trivia, trivia of life. But as soon as you open your mouth, you talk about something that um, sounds like a genuine thing, that requires for your the conversation partner to come back with something similar. And it's, it's terrifying to see people have this emptiness in their eyes when you say something profound, when you say something that makes them, oh my God, I, I, I gotta say something that has a meaning, something that it comes from me. I've never created anything by myself. What do I do? What do I do? And they panic. And I, I remember this, uh, there was a, something work related. We had a party at the top of a, like, like a big skyscraper and um, it was a beautiful setting and everyone was, you know, getting drunk. And there was this guy who always seemed to be happy. And I said, dude, how are you always happy? What do you do that you're always happy? Because I cannot stand people like you. And one of the reasons is that I'm jealous of you because I wish I was like that. And number, you know, number two is that I'm suspecting that there's something going on that is not really too noble, not too, not too real. Because if you're always happy, that means you're either totally oblivious to reality around you or you're doing something that you don't want to tell everybody else. So, that, so there's something you keep to yourself. Yeah. And he was like, and that was again, this phase of, a, of you know, panic. And he's like, oh, I know what you're talking about, but sorry, I got to go now. He literally just grabbed his beer bottle and he walked away. <laughs> That's how panicked he was because there was something he should have shared that was personal that led to a very dark place inside of himself. And he just decided he's not going to do that because he rather keeps, you know, like fat boy slim, always smiley, always happy and and you watch these people, and you, you, and sooner or later you you lose respect for them. And I mentioned, I'm not sure if you know uh, who Fat Boy Slim is. He's this famous uh, British DJ, and uh, he recently I've been a fan of him of his for like 20 years. And recently he released a, a DJ set with his daughter. His daughter is 10, and she has this fake smile on her face. And I'm looking at this 10 year old, and I'm thinking, what have you done to her? you know, that you destroyed your own personality, but you've done the same thing to your child. And it's this, this um, idea of corporate, uh, fake it until you make it, because you need to fake a smile so that everybody accepts you. It's this very, very corporate um, idea of a lifestyle where you always need to be enthusiastic, always need to, you know, there's no I, what is it, no I in the team or something like that. This this kind of a nonsense where everything's happy and, and fantastic and, you don't achieve anything with that. You never get anywhere by being nice or being, you know, pleasant because it's, it's fake. It's trying to appeal to everybody. It doesn't work. Yeah. You, you really have to, you really rob yourself if, if you're going to be fake and you have to be authentic. It's the only way. Listen, I want to ask you one more question and then I'm going to allow you to like, just share whatever's on your heart. And then we're going to have to wrap up soon. But it, it is, it's, it's so great to talk with you about this because during all of the, the stuff that's going on uh, with the, the media hysteria, I find it can be really challenging to, to meet somebody who, who is authentic. Um, like I, I know that I, I found a lot of my friends weren't, weren't as authentic as I would have wanted them to be. And some of them like wouldn't want to come out hiking with me anymore. And 
they're like really terrified but then others i found were like really authentic and i i was able to still meet with them and hang out with them and it was it was really valuable so it, i found this time was really useful for for seeing where i stand who i am and and meeting a lot of other people that that were of like mind as well have you found that that there's been a lot of benefit or any positives that have come to you through the last i don't know like four four months or so of of the the hysteria going on oh yeah i pretty much lost all my family and friends i pretty much don't have contact with them anymore it's uh it's absolutely bananas what came out of this because uh, people had to show their true colors. We, we were slowly getting to a place where you need to take a stand and decide which side you're on. Whether you want to pretend that everything's fine and as you said, be nice and civil to everybody and let's talk, you know, every Thanksgiving or every Christmas, let's talk about what's on, the, on TV or what politicians are talking about. Or if you want to face the truth and talk to others about what's going on inside of you. And I've, what I've noticed is that for some bizarre reason, my reality is made of people who are very fake. People who are not fake, but they're just basically running away from reality and they live in their little imaginary world. That's a, something that humans do all the time. But um, for some bizarre reason, my people who came into my life, people who were given to me in my life, like my parents, my family, and my childhood friends who I still stay in touch with, uh, they all turn out to be this this type of personality where they don't deal with reality too well and they go into their imaginary worlds at the same time developing addictions or those fake personalities. It's a very bizarre situation. And this this situation is so difficult. It's so taxing emotionally and it's so heavy on on your whole system that I don't have any room left energy wise and, and just, you know, time. And, and I, I just don't feel like I want to be around them anymore because I'm too busy. I have too much stuff happening and there's too much happening outside of, you know, of my house that I don't need to deal with somebody else's problems in form of, of their own circus. And I've recently uh, decided to stop hanging out with people who I've been friends for 40 years. I was like, enough is enough. Like, this is where I draw the line. If you if you really want to live in your little uh, fairy tale, then stay there. But it will destroy you sooner or later. If you don't face the reality, it will it will come after you, and it will it will do something bad to you. Uh, you, of course, someone said that. Of course, you can avoid reality, but you cannot avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. And uh, it's true. If, if you run away from what's happening around you, sooner or later, it will, it will catch up with you and will destroy you. So that's one of the main things that happen. Of course, I'm replacing these people with new friends. Yeah. I'm replacing now my, my circle of friends is people who, that, that's the funny thing. I've, I don't really feel like I miss these people. And um, it's because I'm quite lucky because I have access to a lot of people on, you know, on social media if yeah. i ever want new friends i just say hi would you like to meet up and then i meet people <laughs> out of nowhere it's a very comfortable yeah. situation to be in and it's wasted on on a loner like me because i like to work alone and i i enjoy being with my own company in my own company so yeah it's wasted on me it's, it's, if it was given to somebody else they'll be so happy probably um i don't fully take advantage of it but um 
I am slowly replacing everybody because this situation now, and it's not just uh, this virus thing, it's also political. It's happening everywhere at the moment. It's like, it's binary. Again, that's why I'm saying this reality is so crazy now because it's only you know left, right, zero or one, uh, up and down. It's, there's nothing in between anymore. It's just those two choices. So everybody has to take a stand. And some people turn out to be idiots. That's, that's all I can say. Some of my friends turn out to be idiots. They're just, they have absolutely no idea what they're seeing, what they're saying. Um, the beliefs that they have are destructive to themselves and others. And it's just, um, I always say that I don't enjoy being somebody's punching bag for their undeveloped personality. They pretty much, um, they just, they just want to test something on you and they'll tell you stories and they want you to, you know, cheerlead them or want you to, to just pat them on the back and say, you're doing fine. I, I don't, I don't have time for this anymore. I basically, I, and I also, I know that honesty is very expensive, so you cannot expect it from cheap people. And I've realized that a lot of people around me are quite cheap in terms of their personality. I also started labeling people as quote marked humans and, and regular humans who have this <laughs> capacity for metaphysical development. And we all should be doing that. We shouldn't be nice. We should be finding like-minded people. And you do this through butting heads and through, through yeah. you know, having discussions and then finding what you're made of and then finding value in, in that opposite. Well, it doesn't have to be opposite, but you have to find what people are made of and you're not going to achieve it by being nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's exactly, it's exactly as you're saying it. And, and I, I'm so thankful that you went through that, that you were able to go through that overhaul and you had the bravery and the courage to, to be authentic, even when it meant losing so many people. And I'm, I'm not surprised at all to see that you've regained a lot of the, the, the social world that you've lost in, in a new way with new people that are more authentic. So it's, it's so good that you did that. Um, but it's painful I, just to make no, it clear it's, it is, <laughs> it's not easy it's definitely something that you have to be prepared for and i've been preparing for this for years with machine ops and their messages they prepared yeah. me for everything but uh it's not for everybody but if you can go through hell for two hours then uh, then you can at least do this right <laughs> oh that's true it's nothing compared to what i went yeah. through <laughs> yeah. so peter tell me is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today? Is there any last words of wisdom that you want to impart? I want people to um, get to a place where they have the courage, because it seems courage is a big issue for people. I want people to realize that there's nothing to be scared of, and I want them to be willing to experience everything that life has to offer, both physically and emotionally. You are probably taking part in a tiny fraction of sensations and experiences that this life has prepared for you and uh what you should be doing you should be opening yourself to a whole new spectrum of experiences be it through psychedelics or through meeting new people or putting yourself in challenging situations or or battling your own anxiety whatever it is you're here to experience things and you're here to uh, live in a world that's full of, of flavors not just the same thing over and over again so uh go on the paths less traveled uh, try to go ra- rather deep inside than somewhere outside. Um, be different and be proud of it. And yeah, try magic mushrooms. Yeah, try magic mushrooms. I agree. <laughs> or or uh, or any entheogen, but in a in a safe and respectful way, of course. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, with that, we'll, we'll end our show, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much.